umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999. Hello, welcome to this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. And on this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast, we're going to take a dive into the Michigan defense. Well, Clint, what were your initial thoughts after hearing uh, the press event with the new defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald? Well, I, I think that it went well for Mike McDonald, his first kind of media forward-facing uh, appearance in that role. So I think he did fine. You know, but I don't want to give it uh, more weight than it deserves. You know, a, a spring, really winter, you know, February press conference. Um, can't win or lose a game on that, you know, it's, it's all kind of PR and media relations, but as far as what it was worth as a winter press conference, I think he did well. And, uh, there was at least, um, some content there to, to let the rest of us kind of discuss and kick around in the off season and have some fun with. And, uh, you know, he, he at least seems to be interesting, which is a good thing. Uh, not, not a necessity, but it's a good thing, uh, for us. And I think that he's, I like a lot of the things that he said in terms of what he values and, and what his, uh, you know, what we got to know about his personal philosophy. Um, so I think all of it was positive. Again, but I don't want to oversell it as, uh, you know, kind of winning the February press conference bowl championship or anything. So, yeah, that's funny. It, it's interesting because um, one of my, I'm going to say it. One of my knocks on Don Brown, the previous defensive coordinator, is that you would have people in the media get all jazzed up about his press conferences, right? And listen, I, I like Don Brown. I think he's a really good defensive coordinator, but he was, but he was a great quote, right? He was always good for um, something that would kind of uh, leave some meat on the bone for the media to talk about online, right, or in in articles. And I really got to the point where I, uh, you know, considering what had happened against Ohio State, it really started to to kind of miss me, right? I was like, okay, I don't need a great quote. What I what I really need is your defense to stop Ohio State, right? Right. Yeah. And and so that speaks very much to your point about listen, you're not going to win anything in a press conference. What I thought was interesting, um, you know, trying to take from it is. Definitely a different energy, definitely uh, a younger guy, right? Uh, definitely a different enthusiasm. And it's interesting because, because Coach Harbaugh has said that, you know, we really went after really good coaches. We didn't necessarily try to get younger. But I think when you look at Josh Gaddis and you look at Mike McDonald as being your principal coordinators, there's definitely a different energy. The other interesting thing that I found as I was doing research and, and uh, Mike McDonald addressed this is that he really he's one of these guys who has not taken a traditional path uh, through the coaching ranks. Right. And I think that there is a, uh, a, a prototype template. Right. You are a good high school player. You play college football. Um, you go into coaching. Right. And there's another path where you're a good high school player, you're a good college player, you're an NFL player, and you end up as a coach, right? What was interesting, I think, uh, about Mike McDonald's is that, you know, he played high school football, but he really got into coaching, uh, you know, when he was in college, and he wasn't a player. 
And, you know, I think you and I both know that is a very, uh, that is a difficult path. That is a non-traditional path to being a top level coach. And here he is being a relatively young guy, uh, you know, coaching in the NFL, right? And then now he's going to be a defensive coordinator uh, in the collegiate ranks for uh, what we consider a top tier program, the University of Michigan. So I I thought that was interesting, um, kind of uh, reflecting on how he, how he arrived, you know, and I, and I always like to, you know, when you're talking to players or talking to coaches, kind of get their origin story, right? Like, how did you get to be where you are? And uh, one of the things he talked about in his press conference is that, you know, he was a finance major and, uh, you know, had done very well collegiately academically. And he had actually signed on with a consultancy and was going to give up uh, being a part of the football world. And he said in his press conference, he goes, you know, I kind of felt like I was giving up. So uh, after he had signed his agreement to um, be a consultant, this an opportunity came up to stay in coaching, and he, you know, he decided to take that path. So that is definitely, uh, you know, interesting uh, grist for the mill and, and uh, interesting thing to watch as we uh, as he moves through uh, his path here as as a defensive coordinator here at Michigan. Yeah, it's certainly a, a unique um, a unique origin story. I, the only thing um, that came to mind immediately for me um, was uh, I, when I read Bill Belichick's book, he talks a lot about the, uh, the value that he got early in his coaching career, coaching college players, even though he hadn't been a, a college player himself. Um, now I'm not, I'm not trying to make a, any assumption that, that, or equate, you know, Mike McDonald with, with Bill Belichick, but, that there is, he talks specifically in his book about some of the things that you have to establish and, and you have to be really good and sharp um, and understand what you're talking about very well and really learn it in a, in a different way other than, than doing it in order to gain credibility with the guys that you're talking to. So um, the fact that he's been coaching for you know seven or eight years in the NFL and um for you know, for all we know, and from what we've heard, um, you know, very glowing reviews from Jim Harbaugh's brother, um, John Harbaugh in Baltimore, and you know, talk about him potentially being, um, you know, ascending to being a defensive coordinator at the NFL level in the in the near future. Uh, you would imagine that he also found a way to uh to learn a lot of those uh techniques and the you know gain credibility in the eyes of uh you know high level athletes and players um that you don't necessarily have as a default because you weren't in their shoes um in your own in your own history so um if you can accomplish that i think it it really says a lot about your approach and your ability to connect with people um so the fact that he's been successful with such a uh, um, a, a path less traveled is a, it's a good thing. Um, it, it's something that gives me uh, optimism for for how successful he'll be. But uh, again, it's not it's certainly not a guarantee. And there's a there is a flip side to that coin, of course, uh, um, that there's just a really 
uh, glaring lack of, of experience at the level that he's at and the decisions that he's got to make. So it's going to really um, be incumbent on Jim Harbaugh to surround him with uh, the support pieces and the staff and, and make sure that there's a dynamic that is supportive um, in order for him to be successful and, and, and make mistakes that aren't uh, too costly and learn from those mistakes. So it, it's a very interesting dynamic all the way around. And like I said, I think he's a very uh, positive, uh, energetic character in the, uh, you know, in the building. So I, I'm happy to see, I'm excited to see what he brings to the, uh, to the program um, going into the season. And, and hopefully we'll get to see a little bit of the X's and O's and, and some of the stuff, actual defensive football scheme stuff. Um, hopefully we'll get to see that in the spring and, and talk about that some more. It's interesting when you look at, like you said, we were talking about the prototypical coaching template, right? On one hand, you can make an argument that really great players don't always make really great coaches. Um, and, and I'm not taking a, a slap at anybody on the staff. I'm just saying generally, um, often really great players don't understand the struggles of of average players, right? Like it's, oh, well, you just do it. And it's interesting that um, in this case, you have a guy who really, um, you know, when you talk, when he talks about his interest in the game, um, he really started as breaking down tape and seeing the strategies. And so it's definitely a different perspective. And definitely, I think that, you know, here's a guy who was with the Ravens, you know, for, for six seasons and definitely proved that he knows what he's talking about. Um, one of the other things I really liked was one of the questions that came up in the press conference as well. You know, you're in the NFL. Is this a step down? How do you see this move? And, you know, he, he was very emphatic that he sees college football as, as one of the best levels, the top level to, to be involved with. So I was glad to hear that. Um, and I think one of the things he does bring is, you know, the bulk of his experience. And, and, and I think this is what's interesting, right? The bulk of his coaching experiences is in the NFL, right? So you definitely got to know what you're doing at that level or you'd be gone, right? And the Ravens have been successful. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, and, it, it you know, again, it, this came up in some of the press conferences where players asked, well, defensive players were asked, well, how is it different? Like, well, listen, this is a guy who's from the NFL. Um, it's a different terminal terminology. He talks more in NFL terms, and a lot of the top players are interested in making that jump. So he definitely has that credibility. So, uh, so again, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, like you said, you're not going to win anything in a February press conference. Um, you know, I, I'm going to put up, you know, uh, the flag of, of my concern. Um, one of the things that he was asked is, well, what kind of sets are you going to run? And uh, and this question came up several times. And he's like, well, a 4-3, a 3-4, a 6-2, a 6-1. And, and uh, one of the quotes is, we're going to do everything, right? And one of the things I struggle with, and I mentioned this on an earlier podcast, is, you know, when you come from uh, an NFL mindset, you're used to working with top-tier players who are completely focused on their craft, right? 
They don't have to worry about. Now, obviously, they have family concerns, but you know what I mean. It's your job, right? You can focus on it year-round. And I'm wondering how uh, the complexity of, of the defense is going to um, filter down to you know to the collegiate level. And uh, one thing that that did give me hope is he said, "Listen, he goes, we're really teaching, you know, the fundamentals. We're going to teach one fundamental one day, another fundamental another day, and you know, four or five days down the road, they're going to come together and uh, and and." and the players will see what we're really trying to do. So, um, again, I, I, I can't wait. You know, obviously we didn't get to see uh, the team in person last season, and we we had that abbreviated, disappointing season. So I'm really looking forward to seeing um, how this defense is going to shape up and, conversely, how this defense is going to help sharpen the offense because – I think that uh, you know this defense running multiple sets, if they're able to be successful, is going to make the offense better prepared uh, for for coming up against different defensive sets. Yeah, I think that there's um, there is some value there. Um, that probably where you're going to get that benefit, I think, is is in at the staff level as opposed to at the practice level. Uh, obviously, in the spring. Um, it's going to be a lot of your base, you know, base concepts on offense going against your base concepts on defense. Um, so you're not going to get into a lot of the, uh, chess match type stuff. Um, but if, uh, if, if possible, you can kind of pit your, your stabs, um, against each other a little bit in terms of preparation. Um, when you're talking about self scouting and, and, Asking, uh, having your offensive staff, for example, asking your defensive staff, you know, what tendencies they see or, or how to attack one thing or what's a particular weakness here or there. So sharing some of those, uh, strategic, uh, tidbits at the staff level, I certainly think, um, generating a lot of new ideas and new conversations will, will be beneficial for, um, the staff as a whole. And, and as we've talked last couple podcasts, um, there's some new, college coaches on the staff that are going to benefit from, you know, absorbing all of that like sponges. So um, generating those conversations uh, has value not only for whatever the end result ends up being on a chalkboard or on the field in practice or on the field in a game, but also what uh, what type of knowledge or, or concepts or, or thought processes you're kind of instilling in a very young and uh, somewhat inexperienced staff. So it's it's good stuff. Again, I, I think that it, it should at least give everybody some, some optimism for generating some new ideas and, and infusing some energy into the program. And uh, when we're talking February and March, that's, uh, that's what you'd like to hear as opposed to, uh, you know, no energy and, and lack of enthusiasm and, and the same ideas getting rehashed, dusted off and trotted back out there. So uh, from that standpoint, I think it's, uh, it's, it's good stuff. So another thing that struck me in listening to Mike McDonald is, so Jim Harbaugh went and brought Josh Gaddis in, who is a younger guy. Um, we have Mike McDonald, who's a younger guy, who's a first-time defensive coordinator. And one of the things that he talked about is how collaborative his approach is. Like, it's not going to be, I'm going to tell you exactly what you're going to do without taking feedback 
you know, he's going to make the final decisions, but the uh, the team room, and not only among the players but among the coaches, is much is going to be much more collaborative. Where listen, I need to know. He goes, listen, I'm not a right. I'm not right 100 percent of the time. He goes, you know, I need to know what the players are seeing. I need to know what the coaches are seeing, and we're really going to come together and 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 come up with the with the best approach. And I wonder, you know, you listen to some of the defensive players talk about a different energy around the team, a different energy uh, in the team room. And um, again, not not to not to criticize Don Brown, but he was very much this is how we're going to do it. You know, um, we're going to solve our problems with aggression. And, and everybody loved that quote. Right. But there were times that didn't work. And you definitely got the feel last season in talking to some of the defensive players that there was, I would say, a weariness, right, of, you know, what we're doing isn't working and we're doing the same things over and over again is the way I would uh, the way I would characterize it or paraphrase it. So it's going to be interesting to see how this collaborative approach, um, you know, how it works, right? You know, we saw some problems on the offense, uh, you know, in early seasons under Jim Harbaugh where you didn't really know you had too many cooks in the kitchen. Right. You didn't really know who was the who had the ultimate say in the play calling and and who was responsible for what. And uh, that's been, you know, brought to focus or brought into focus with Josh Gaddis. It's very much uh, evident that Mike McDonald will be making the the final decisions, but uh he seems to be open to input more uh, than than I think the previous staff. Yeah, yeah, and and circling to to where you started that point, um, I think a lot of the conversation about energy, enthusiasm, and and um, those types of of virtues, it's a direct um, reflection of, of kind of what went wrong in the twenty twenty season outside of personnel and opt-outs but when when things got tough and especially after the loss to michigan state and some of the injuries started to pile up there was a noticeable difference in how um the players and the coaching staff and the program um kind of carried themselves in terms of bringing energy to every uh task and and we know that that's something that jim harbaugh prides himself on professionally and, and personally so yeah, I think it was, you know, last month sometime that we were talking about his personal goals and, and, and obviously his actions have now, um, kind of backed up what, what he was saying about putting that uh, forward as a priority and bringing enthusiasm to, uh, to every day and, and, um, trying to be a, a positive energy, uh, in the building. And you see the players saying the same thing and the coaches saying the same thing. Um, that's, that's clear that, that that direction has been given from the top of the organization. That, that um, whether it's a chicken or the egg, did the bad energy come uh, after the losing started or did the losing come because there was some bad energy at the core, right? Um, it, that's up for debate. But uh, if you constantly have positive, high-energy people pushing in the same direction – you're much more likely to, first of all, be successful, but also when there are challenges, you're, you're likely to bounce back much uh, much more forcefully. So 
that's why coaches tend to uh, to focus on that, especially when there's been a problem detected. And I think clearly the the 2020 Wolverines had had a problem um, with that within their within their culture, and that's first and foremost what I think is being addressed. Well, and you know when you talk about the enthusiasm, one of the things that frustrated me last season, and I think it's one of the reasons that one of the main drivers of, of the big coaching shakeup is that Michigan did not exhibit toughness and resiliency. And I hate to say that, right? But, you know, uh, we would talk about previous seasons, right? Where, well, Michigan would go on a good run and then they'd get popped, you know, at Ohio, by Ohio state at the end and they'd limp into the bowl game and, and with mixed results, right? Well, last season, they got stung by Michigan State, okay? And I think, you know, the whole season was so bad, right? But I think you really have to look at what happened in that game, right? You know, you had a uh, an expectation that it was going to be an epic beatdown for Michigan, right? And they ended up losing to a, a, a quarterback who had his career day, right, and didn't even stay, you know, that big win wasn't enough to keep him with the Michigan State program, okay? And I just think, I mean, that just shows you how epic that, uh, what an outlier that game was. And the team never really recovered, right? I mean, the only win they managed after that was a triple overtime win versus Rutgers, Right. And, uh, you know, and, and I'll keep saying this, you know, whenever we talk about Rutgers or Maryland, um, you know, 25 years ago when I got my season tickets, if I had seen those names on the schedule, I would have said, wow, what a crappy non-conference schedule we have, right? So to barely eke out a win versus Rutgers is not very satisfying. And you can really trace it all back to just the devastation of that Michigan state game. Right. And I think that one of the things we're going to have to see is, is some resiliency and some pride and some toughness. Right. So one of the other things that Mike McDonald's was asked about in the press conference was, Hey, uh, you guys. And, And it's interesting because on one hand, you're talking about Michigan overall, right? Mike McDonald wasn't here. Okay. He has no responsibility for what happened against Ohio state the last couple of years. Um, so I think it's important to, to, to start with that. So I thought it was an interesting question. Hey, you guys. And he's like, well, Hey guys, I'm blameless in this. Right. I mean, he didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking. But you know, Ohio state focuses on beating Michigan every day. What are you guys doing? And Mike McDonald made it very clear. He's like, listen, we're installing pretty much a new defense here. We have to work on, winning every day now and installing and, and, and teaching things every day. And, you know, we have so much to, to learn and to teach, um, but you know, before the season even starts, if we take care of those things, the season will take care of itself. But, you know, the job is so big right now, they can't be looking at Michigan state or, or Ohio state yet. So I thought that was an interesting, and again, it was, it was pretty much prototypical coach speak, but, you know, the reason you hear a lot of coach speak from coaches is sometimes it's true. And I think that's that was a very good point on his part. 
Yeah, from from the media standpoint, you got to toss the the rivalry dynamic out there with either Ohio State or Michigan State or both, and see if you can get a coach to uh, to say something uh, interesting or or uh, newsworthy about a rival. Um, so to to kind of revert back to coach speak is kind of standard. Uh, standard operating procedure there for a coach, especially one, like you said, who hasn't even coached in that game. So if, if he were to give a, a, a five-minute monologue on, on the virtues of trying to beat the Buckeyes, you know, it would have looked pretty disingenuous. If you ask me, he's been with the program for, for three weeks. You know, how could he understand that? So for him to just, come on, guys, let's focus on what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to, we're working on front alignments, responsibilities, terminology right we're, we're doing the alphabet over here and you guys are asking me about the last game of the season um that that's what my ears heard um but you know that's kind of that's kind of how it goes with the media you're trying to trying to stir something up that's interesting and and newsworthy but um it's also fair for a coach to kind of give that type of answer if you know if if i'm being honest so i i thought it was i thought it was right that one thing that I picked up from his press conference directly with the media also, um, and this is, this is a big part of, uh, Bo Schembechler's book, Bo's lasting lessons is, is you don't come in and trash your predecessor when you take over, uh, an organization, um, or, or, you know, in his, in this case, the, the defensive unit. So it would have been, um, kind of against conventional wisdom and against professional wisdom to come in and start pointing at all of the problems that he saw from a defensive standpoint in, in what Michigan was doing under Don Brown. Um, so again, I think some folks in the fan base and some folks in the media were hoping that he would come in and start pointing at stuff that was uh, specific to the previous coaching staff. And he didn't want to do that either. You know, he, there are lots of, of different ways to be successful on defense. That's clearly something that, that he holds uh, to be true and that he uh, wants to take a lot of the strength of um, various different types of fronts and, and styles of defense and, and meld those together into what is going to become the Michigan defense. And I think that's uh, that's fine. And uh, it, he definitely was pointing towards a collaborative process with his uh, new coaching staff, which I think is smart, and, and everybody will feel a sense of ownership with the uh, the end result, with what ends up being Michigan's defense in 21. So I liked a lot of that stuff that I heard. Um, I'm glad that he didn't come in and start pointing about uh, pointing out that he was, you know, that was a different guy, and they did things this way. I'm not going to do that, and, and um, stuff that I think the media was hoping to hear. Um, to be newsworthy again, uh, I'm glad that he didn't go down that road, but he did, you know, he pointed at the fact that there's lots of ways to be successful and we're going to put together what we think is the best way. And, uh, again, I think that's all that you can do, uh, in February and March when you're still trying to, um, get to know your staff and get to know the players that you've got in the room there. So, um, again, I think that was very skillfully handled by uh, a coach who, is in that seat as the as a coordinator uh, for the first time and, and being a you know public relations um, kind of dry runner his first first real time in the hot seat and speaking for the entire 
half of the uh, staff on the defensive side. Uh, I think he showed a lot of wisdom, a lot of self-control, and, and answered things well without falling into some of the traps that kind of lay out there for new coaches. You know, the other thing that I thought or that I noticed, and, and I remembered this or I remembered how I thought this uh, when Jim Harbaugh showed up at Michigan, right? There is NFL-level media scrutiny and there's collegiate-level media scrutiny, right? And, um, you know, when Jim came in, he did his best to say nothing, right? He took that Bo Schembechler motto of not trashing anybody uh, to heart, maybe a little, maybe even a little too much. I mean, I remember his first couple of media opportunities, his first spring, he, he would say nothing, right? He did not want to cause any controversy. Um, but what was interesting is I remember um, one of his uh, first large recruiting events, right? And it was held over at, uh, um, you know, one of the large theaters on campus. It was a huge media um, you know, event, tons of fans there. And they brought him down to meet with the media. And what's interesting is, and, and a lot of people don't get to see this, right? Normally when, um, coach Harbaugh has a media event, he's up at a podium and it's very controlled and it's very much a, a, a Michigan controlled environment, right? And, uh, they control the questions and, and, it, and it's a very, uh, I controlled is the word, right? So I remember being, uh, uh, you know, at this recruiting event and there was no table. He was literally surrounded by people. Right. And, um, again, huge national media, there, local media, big event. And, um, he literally just held court. Okay. I mean, I mean, basically just turned in a circle, knocked down every question, boom, 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 boom. And I remember thinking, you know what? This is a guy who's dealt with media at a Super Bowl. This is nothing, okay? He can handle this very easily, you know? And uh, so what I'm saying is when you see Jim Harbaugh, you know he's doing exactly what he wants to do. Um, he's been through the media ringer uh, both as a professional player and as a as a professional coach, and he has the skills, right? And what I was thinking when I was w listening to Mike McDonald is, you know what? This is a guy who's been in the NFL for a number of seasons too. He's been through the media gauntlet. He knows how to play this game and he knows how to, how to deal with things. So, um, you know, to your point of how he answered the questions, um, you can definitely see the, uh, um, what's the word I'm thinking like the breeding, right? Like, listen, this is how you're trained to deal with things in the NFL. Um, it's a much higher level of scrutiny than, than even you're going to have at Michigan. Um, and, you know, he's very well prepared to deal with the media and answer questions the right way and, and give enough information that he wants to put out there. And, and I don't think we'll be seeing him making too many mistakes uh, with the media moving forward. Yeah, it was it was. I was glad as a as a fan, not necessarily as a as somebody that has to talk about this or is looking for content. But as a fan, I'm glad that he he showed the ability and the uh you know the, the honesty to just say, well, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about that at this point, right? I'm not gonna tell you this strategically. I'm not gonna tell you this. You know, he he answered the media pretty directly, 
and, and said, well, you know, it's not right to talk about this particular thing, but what I will say is here. So, so I'll give you an answer, but I, I acknowledge what you're trying to get me to say, and I'm not going to say that. So um, it was, it was interesting seeing how he, how he dealt with it. Um, again, he was, he, he deflected some things that he didn't want to answer and answered them on his own terms and did so in, in a way that wasn't off-putting at all and, and again, maintained a positive and, and, and high energy. And that's, that's very, very clearly that um, it's clear that he has been groomed to, to kind of handle the spotlight that, that comes with the promotion that he's got. The other interesting thing that I did think that I thought did slip out, right, is um, it it came out, well, you know, Coach, what did you think about being a defensive coordinator? What did you think about the Michigan job? And he's like, well, you know, uh, I learned about the opportunity from John, and I talked to him about it, you know, John, Har- John Harbaugh. And, you know, I really had to focus on preparing for our playoff games, right? So to, for for me, what came out from that was – this was very obviously in the works for a while. Okay. This was not something that, and, and I think we knew that, right? I mean, we were waiting for uh, the Ravens to, to be done with their season for this announcement to happen. But I, I don't think this was a, um, uh, a capricious decision, right? I think that Jim and John had talked about this for a while and just in the comments that Mike made, I, that's what I took from it, right? Is, oh, okay, obviously uh, this was on your radar. John, you and John Harbaugh had talked about it. Obviously John and Jim had talked about it. So I just remember um, some of the uh, drama here in Ann Arbor when Don Brown was let go. And, oh, my gosh, why don't we know who the coach is? It's going to hurt recruiting. What are we going to do? You know, the, the angst of the, of the, the fans, right? Mm-hmm. And there very clearly was a – a a plan and you know it's not the kind of thing that you know jim is not the person to to say look at i made the decision on this date and we are going to do these 10 moves right Mm -hmm. um and and i think you know uh most importantly you know uh, uh, the drama that was going around about coach harbaugh's contract right I, i think that in retrospect i don't think there really was very much drama at all okay i think that you know, it didn't happen the way the media and the fans would have liked, but it's pretty clear there there were there were gears moving, and things were going to be put in place. And uh, you know, the comment that Mike made about um, you know his thoughts on taking the job, I think, kind of were revealing in a different way, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I continually, every time we we end up talking about the beginning of 21 within the Michigan football program, I think immediately back to the contract questions that were directed at Harbaugh in the fall in October and November. And at some point he eventually said, I'm just going to let my actions speak. You know, he's, you know, I have a plan. I'm going to execute the plan. You guys will see it and it'll be public information when it's time. And, and then we'll move on. And now here we are in March and if uh, if you were to just kind of drop in at this point in time and say, so what what happened with the contract negotiations? You know, the, it's still the only the most newsworthy thing is that 
clearly Harbaugh took a a 50% base salary pay cut and revamped his entire staff, um, but maintained uh, almost lost one or or maybe two key members of a recruiting class. Um, And every potential catastrophe that folks were worried about in December, January, and early February was uh, was averted. And now here we are, you know, preparing for a 21 season with, um, you know, a lot of work to do uh, to fix the problems from 2020. But um, a lot of big steps have already been taken to, uh, to, to try to facilitate some of those improvements. So, um, again, I, I think that it's wise to take Jim Harbaugh at his word um, and, and usually pretty literally to whatever he's saying. He's, he, he doesn't divulge things that he doesn't have to. Uh, he's, he, he usually can can generate some controversy with what he's not saying, which is understandable. But if he says something, it's 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 likely that um, that's what you're going to see uh, in his actions following whatever he said. So um, when he said, well, I'll let my actions speak when it was about his contract, um, I, I think it, it was right at that point that he he knew pretty well that uh, he was going into a recruiting cycle as Michigan's head coach and was going to be the head coach in 2021. So one of the interesting things that I ran across doing research on, on Mike McDonald, right, is uh, he was talking about a couple years ago about why the Ravens were successful and what he learned from John Harbaugh, right? And he said that um, him, him and the Baltimore coaching staff spend a considerable time in ensuring that the organization's standards and principles are not only articulated but enforced. And the culture is at its strongest when enforcement and accountability don't just come from the top, coaches and staff, but when it spans across the players as well. So it's really clear that culture is a really big thing um, you know, for John Harbaugh. And I think, you know, we've kind of, we, we've wrestled with this, right? Like, you like Don Brown, he's been successful, and um, we liked Ed Warner, and he'd been successful. But both those guys were let go, right? And, you know, you mentioned this in one of the previous podcasts, and we've chewed on it, but when I go back and, and hear and read what Mike, Mike McDonald says, it really comes back comes back to culture right and it's going to be interesting to see um if these changes that uh jim harbaugh has done at michigan have tuned the culture in such a way that it will attract higher quality recruits and you know show results on the field right and it's interesting because you know we look at all these changes and all you know i I look at all these dials and levers that are being thrown and I really think what, what, what they're trying to fix is the culture, right? And, you know, it, it's easy for people on the outside to say, well, yeah, you got to beat Ohio State. Yeah, but how do you make that happen, right? Um, it's not just getting better players. It's getting better players who have the right attitude, who are coached up in the correct way. So it's going to be interesting to see, um, and, you know, and we're not going to know, right? I mean, this is a, a – we're – we're uh, um, calling audibles on the fly here, right? We're not really going to know until, you know, 
the season actually starts, how this, uh, how how this how these changes impact and and how they result are they going to result in in a in a better recipe for success? But you can definitely see the changes. Yeah, I, I again, I think that it, what it shows is that it's been made a priority, if not the top priority, right? That it starts there. It's it's clear that that is a focus at this uh, this point in the cycle of your program, going into spring practices and and coming out of a recruiting cycle for the twenty one class and kind of kicking off the heavy lifting for the twenty two class. Um, that's that's what they're putting at the center uh, of what they want to change and improve going forward. Obviously they think that it's kind of foundational to the success and the, uh, the improvement that we want to see in the fall. So I think, uh, I think there's a lot of value to that. I think there's merit there and we'll see um, what future success can come out of that. Obviously we, uh, we always maintain our, our, our hopefulness. Hope springs eternal for us in terms of uh, rooting for the Wolverines, but um you, you gotta you gotta figure that any type of bounce back season in 21 looks like this at the beginning, where you're you're fixing some of these foundational culture, um, high energy, positive energy type uh, issues. So um, again, as far as February and March goes, uh, I, I would say that it's it's what you would expect to see, and I'm glad that that's what's happening. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.